All right, ATP Podcast, episode 14. My guest today is Eric Phillips, fellow trainer in the Cincinnati area. And Eric, why don't you tell us real quick, what, what's the name of your business and where do you operate out of? Um, so the name of my business is Attributes Coaching, and okay. I kind of operate out of um, Ford Fitness downtown. Mm-hmm. Oh, what, what, what street's that on? Uh, it's on Reedy Street. It's like right next to the casino. Okay, mm-hmm. good location there. Um, why did you choose that name, just out of curiosity? Attributes? Yeah, Attributes. Uh, so growing up, I was kind of a nerd, okay. so I really enjoyed like playing video games, things like that. Yeah, and really took a liking to RPG games. Okay. So like just being able to develop your character and being able to like I, I want to invest in his strength or yeah. you know his speed or knowledge and things like that. So I kind of want to preach that principle to my clientele. I like that. Mm-hmm. So you're working on whatever their goals is, then you find what attribute you need to improve yep. upon. Yep. That's Definitely. pretty cool. So how long have you been training people now for? Uh, I've been working in the strength and conditioning field for probably about five years now. Okay, and how old are you? Uh, 30. 30, all right, mm-hmm. right on. Well, what got you started in that? Uh, well, I've always enjoyed lifting from mm-hmm. just a young age. Me and my buddy used to just work out every single day and it was just a good way to kind of you know, spend time with one of your best friends. Mm-hmm. Just two, three hours in the gym, a couple times a week. Yeah. So, so, so like five years ago, what uh, what brought you right into that? Did you did you know a little before that? What? Um, uh, well, just working dead end jobs for, okay. you know, since I was eighteen and then yeah. until I was about twenty three. Okay, was when I made the switch into wanting to do this full time because I was like, I got to do something I'm passionate about. Yeah, because you know, working in warehouse jobs, doing demolition work, yeah, things like that. It just was not fun. To do for fulfilling. 40 and 50 hours a week with, you know, getting done and just being like, well, what did I accomplish? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then, so you're 23, you decided you want to start doing that. What was the kind of the first step you took into becoming a trainer? Uh, I went back to school. Okay. Yep. So Where I went at? to Cincinnati State. All right. Uh, went for their personal training certification and then finished up with the associates in health and fitness technologies. Okay. And then from... Some of the clinical rotations or practical rotations, whatever you want to call them now, um, really fell in love with just like that rehab aspect. Mm. Not necessarily rehab, but like just helping people move and function corrective, a little bit better. Corrective exercise, yeah. whatever yeah. whatever terminology we use now for, <laughs> for that. <clears throat> so I went back to school after about a year layoff for athletic training and just recently graduated about a year and a half ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you've been doing that while you've been training people as yep. well. And you found that your spot where you're at as soon as you graduated with your first. So that was a that was a practical rotation. That okay. I was, yeah, and then it just turned into a full time job for me. Yeah. Out of there. Right on. What uh, what types of people do you deal with mostly right now? Uh, currently, right now, it's a lot of Gen Pop. Mm-hmm. So Gen Pop, geriatric, uh, a couple of high school athletes, and that's mainly my clientele. So it's okay. it's all over the place. You know, I could have like a 16 year old. Cross cross country guy and then seventy five year old lawyer the next day you know yeah so yeah we'll be we talking about how nothing's typical which I usually say in this but and I'll ask you sort of like well typically but we're gonna do the best we can mm-hmm. to narrow it down because it's all over the place I understand yeah um so what would you kind of describe you said you like the corrective stuff do you incorporate is that a lot of your foundation kind of what what is your Again, like I just said, nothing's typical, but yeah. what is kind of your, your training thought or your style or what you like to uh, look at? So I like to look at just how the joints function and how we position 
like rib cage and pelvis because mm-hmm. that dictates how all the other extremities work. So if we're no. not in a good position for that, we're not going to be in a good position to kind of do our workout. Mm-hmm. So you focus a lot on like lumbo-pelvic region and then you mm-hmm. said your diaphragm as well. Yeah, so like that. ton of like, I don't want to turn, throw out like just, you know, courses and um, institutes and things like that, but I use a lot of like PRI. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, why don't you say what that is for our listeners? Um, so that's Postural Restoration Institute. Mm-hmm. They kind of take a look at how the rib cage and pelvis kind of dictate all of those extremity movements yeah. from just the way the diaphragm can function. So creating a better position for that diaphragm to function in can help open up things. So also being able to open up and expand different places where we usually don't open and expand mm. with our lungs. Okay. So what is like, uh, and we were kind of talking about the PRI before. It turns out I didn't know what it was. I thought <laughs> I did. Um, what, what's kind of like some common things that you see? What's a, what's like one of the major like health issues when it comes to that type of stuff that we see today with people? Um, not being able to expand in certain areas. So <clears throat> that would be most people lack the ability to posteriorly expand at their rib cage. Mm. So opening up that backside and also a right chest wall, mm-hmm. and then also finding obliques. So I don't know if you've had any experiences with that. Like, why is this person like, you know, jacked up with a six pack, but can't tap into their obliques at all to create yeah. that 360 degrees of expansion and tightness? Yeah, I have a lot of people that that look like they have strong abs, but don't have a strong core. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not a a whole core. Like I always preach front core and back core. And I mean, that includes yeah, your like bleach swing and everything and transverse deep, and all that. Deep but, core stuff. Yeah. yeah but I, that's why I, that's why I prefer the term core. It's like, we're not, we're not training abs. We're, we're training the whole thing. Cause we got yeah, kind of like that the trunk stability. Um, so what do you kind of do for that? Like, what are some, do you do breathing techniques? Is it more stretching? Is it what, what, what types of stuff? So we use, well, they use facilitation and inhibition exercises to kind of facilitate muscles that we want on and inhibit muscles that are kind of overactive. Mm -hmm. And then we also train that with the diaphragm because that thing also has a ton of um, control over like autonomic function and things like that. Okay. We explain autonomic function again, just for people. So whether we're like really toned up and sympathetic, Mm -hmm. so fight or flight or parasympathetic, which is, you know, your rest and relax. So being able to breathe, in a nice, calm, relaxed way, in those different positions, can just kind of tone things down or turn things up. Okay, does that make sense? And teaching people how to gain more control over that, so that mm-hmm. they can then themselves, in a sense, will them whether they're in that heightened sense or that relaxed state, and mm-hmm. kind of control that with your own breathing your own and breath. diaphragm. Yep. Okay, awesome. Um, so besides that, like, are there any like techniques? that you use, like what, let's say you get someone in and they have that issue, like they've got no control over that and they, they're, they're, you know, they're not in good alignment at the trunk, things are all over the place, kind of what's the, like one of the first things that you have people do? Um, I'll run through an assessment and see how each joint is moving and working mm-hmm. and then also how well they're pulling in air, okay. which most people, whether they realize it or not, aren't doing a good job of breathing at all. So you got a ton of like mouth breathers that don't even know where. Yeah, I just read a whole is. book on breath and it blew my mind. James Nestor? Yeah, that one. Yep. Yeah, just solid stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was really wild. good. But yeah, so um, first place we start is just assessment. Okay. Seeing how well everything moves, mm-hmm. and then we'll go into whatever they need from there. Usually, I'll start off with like just a ninety ninety 
uh, hip lift mm -hmm. with a balloon, having them reach and trying to open up um, the lungs and the diaphragm, and then keeping the rib cage in a nice, um, basically a anterior tilt. Because most people posterior tilt at the rib cage and mm -hmm. anterior tilt at the uh, pelvis. So trying to get those guys to do the you opposite. You say most people are naturally you know, anterior. Extended. Okay. Yeah, so a lot of us are extended with that anterior tilt of the pelvis and then posterior tilt of the rib cage. So we want to be able to put them into that more neutral sense yeah. and then just have them breathe there. What do you think that's a product of? Is that just because we're so sedentary? Is that another of the, like, sitting's the root of everything? Yeah, kind of? yeah, yeah. So okay. you get locked in that position because... We take 22 to 25,000 breaths in a day, and if we're sitting at a computer for eight to 12 hours a day, just being in this position here, mm -hmm. we're not able to fully expand the lungs and also the diaphragm. It's not able to function in its appropriate way. Okay. So they preach a lot of like zone of opposition, which is having the diaphragm in a better position to kind of pull air in and push air back out. Gotcha. So that's your foundation. That's a lot where you start with. Um, what kind of other things? So do you do a lot of the other traditional stuff for general, or is that like, are you pretty much specializing in that area right there? Um, so I do that, and then the next place I look is just joint function. So I use a lot of like functional range systems with okay. that. So functional range conditioning, being able to open up the joint capsule and make them, or help teach the clients to utilize all that range that we opened up with some of the breathing work mm. and then also some of the functional range work. So teaching their nervous system to be able to keep that position when we teach them how to overhead reach or whatever it may be. Okay. So you're, you're very movement-based with mm. a lot of this. Then once we have all those prerequisites down pat, mm -hmm. we can start loading them up and teaching them how to you know, strength train just that traditional way. Yeah. For whatever their goals mm -hmm. may be. Yep. Okay. How how long? Again, nothing's typical, but how much time do you usually spend before you even are allowed to like touch a weight with someone? Like, I mean, everyone differs. So right. you know, if I get a twenty year old in there, we might just do a little bit of stuff, help them sense some of the things that I want them to sense, mm -hmm. and then we can just go straight into that. Okay. Maybe throw in a little bit of functional range stuff. You know, just like some controlled articular rotations or. Uh, pales, rails, things like that. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar no, with any of that. If you want to explain that to um, me. So, controlled, articula uh, controlled articular rotations are just taking each joint mm -hmm. through its full range of motion. Okay. And pales and rails are just um, putting you into an end range mm -hmm. stretch and then having you isometrically contract in that position. So, say if we're doing like a sleeper stretch, you know what that is? No. Okay. Go ahead. So, I mean, I might, but not yeah. by that name. I didn't know just because, like, Paramount, I, I thought dealt with, like, a lot of, like, baseball. Yeah. Things like that. We, well, um, yeah, sleeper we stretch is series. one of the, the favorite ones. I mean, you could do it with any stretch and do a uh, Pales Rails contraction out of it. Okay. But, um, so take a sleeper stretch. We're going to be in, like, a 90-90 position mm -hmm. like that with the arm and shoulder. And then we're just going to crank into a little bit of internal rotation. Okay. Yeah. And then all we're going to do is a light isometric contraction ramping that up. Yeah. So essentially kind of like a PNF um, stretch on steroids. Mm -hmm. But after that, we'll teach it how to uh, function in those end ranges of motion. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I get you there. Um, that's pretty interesting, actually. I haven't, hadn't seen that one before. I usually see the one against the wall the other way. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, you can, yeah. And that's the cool thing about um, that system is that 
you can take any stretch and do pales rails work out of it yeah. and then also um, take the rest of that system and then teach the body how to function in those end ranges of the system. So what, um, what's the, the mechanism behind that process that, that you're trying to train there exactly? Um, end range control. Okay. So being able to fully um, control yourself in those end ranges of motion, mm -hmm. which works out really well for me because I'm a big jujitsu guy. So right. yeah, I love, you know, being in this position locked out fully in an arm bar and being able to have a couple seconds to kind of pull myself out of that and, you know, get the safety. Right, or have know. the strength to, I always tell everyone, to, to me, flexibility is just strength in the opposite sense that we perceive it. Mm. You know, it's your ability to elongate your muscles and stay intact yeah. and strong. So have that strength on your end range where you're, you're probably not even that uncomfortable with it and you can hold your, your structural integrity is still there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, especially because a lot of us don't realize it or not, but when we're doing like, you know, barbell curls and things like that, majority of that tension is being felt right in that mid-range, mm -hmm. which is where we're building the strongest points of you know, our contractions. Right around that 90, that. yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, most yeah. work. So being able to be strong in a fully flexed position and an extended position completely changes how that joint functions and really helps create a nice safe and um, creates integrity for that joint. Mm -hmm. I get you. Yeah. Um, so with range of motion work, how much do you see that someone's individual can be range of motion can be improved versus how much of it is like structural to a person. What do you mean? Like, um, what I see a lot of times is uh, with the movement pattern stuff I see with people is, you know, there's a zone, but there's a lot of variability just, mm. just sometimes based on, you know, people, everyone's squat looks different based on their femur length versus their shin length, things like that, just because of the leverages you have to keep whatever load you're doing in the center of mass and keep it moving in a straight mm -hmm. line. Um, you see a lot of variation. And I personally, I see a lot of variation in the range of motion abilities people have, and we've been able to, you know, increase some. But there's there's definitely points where it's like someone has a range that someone else probably will never have, at least in my opinion. And I don't yeah. know if you see that at all. Much. Occasionally, but okay. Some of those people can work to increase their workspace in that joint capsule, mm -hmm. which is why I really fell in love with that functional range system, okay. because we're able to create a, a larger workspace for that capsule to function in. Mm. And then once you increase that, that workspace, you can do you know a ton more. So say the squat was only going to, you know, like couldn't even go to 90. Right. Might be able to get a little bit deeper into it because we opened up the hip capsule space in there. Mm -hmm. So they're able to descend a little bit further into that squat comfortably and keeping their mass centered. Right. Okay. So that's one of the things I always think of is like, is like the overhead squat. It's a very complex movement for things. And personally, I'm, I'm one that struggles a lot with it in a barbell sense because I'm a very hinge heavy squatter. So I'm sitting way back and I need a lot more rotation in my yeah. shoulder to compensate for that. And I don't, I don't really ever do overhead squats because I, well, I don't need well, to I for anything. I, I don't either. But, I don't know why you but would. To, well, exactly. And yeah. uh, it's maybe not the best example, but it's just one I can think of where I've definitely seen some people who naturally hold that position really well. Yeah. And I want to know, in your opinion, like how much of that is something that like someone like me would need to develop more versus, again, just kind of structure and what's possible. Yeah. So again, that goes back to assessment and then seeing if each joint like taking it a joint by joint approach, mm -hmm. if each joint has the prerequisites to even go into that position, because what do you need with an overhead squat? It's it's basically full function from your fingertips down into your ankles. Right. 
I get you. So, but you're saying it, it could be possible for almost anyone, or are you saying that you said the De prerequisites? Depending, depending on how much of the joint that they still have. Okay. So, like, you know, somebody that's got a rotator cuff tear mm. or a complete shoulder or a complete hip done. Yeah. More than likely, I'm not going to be putting them into that position, and I'd probably try and talk them out of doing that. Okay, I see. Unless they want to really, like, you know, just do it under light load. Right. But they're not going to be doing any Olympic-style lifting. Okay, so that's... That. At least not with me. That answers I'm, my question yeah. as far as, like, so sometimes there is, like, just more of a, like, structurally or for whatever reason... Yeah, yeah definitely, sorry. It's not happening. I get you. No, I'm just trying to figure out... Um, now, do you see a lot of people, like, because you deal with the, the hips a lot as well, too. Mm -hmm. um, how much of that, because I, I encounter a lot of people with, you know, whether it's because of the length of the leg or just the way their socket sits that don't always match, and you can see it in the way they walk and the way their hips move. Do you deal with a lot of that? Do you deal with a lot of trying to correct that? Or how uh, do you go yeah, because gait is basically everything in life, so right. I always like to take a look at, how they move and function because you can tell a lot by that mm -hmm. and if they're able to disassociate from a pelvis and their hip capsule and their low back which most people can't you'll see it clunk together a lot right so being able to teach segmentation of a lumbar spine mm -hmm. teach efficient pelvis movement and yeah. also how a femur can move inside the acetabulum or the hip capsule okay can completely change how that person functions and moves. Yeah. What's been the hardest uh, challenge for you so far in a client, like as far as that, as far as range of motion work and developing that, or it could be the breath, anything like that? Um, that stuff's all easy. It's what they do outside of there. Cause okay. you know, most of us only get an hour or right. so with a client, maybe once, twice, if you're lucky, three times a week. Yeah. So being able to send them out with those healthy habits to kind of build off of mm -hmm. is, the, the best thing that they could possibly do because yeah. if they're able to do some of those exercises that I prescribe with like the PRI stuff or the functional range stuff mm -hmm. or even just doing your traditional uh, strength work it's all going to compound until they're at either a pain-free level or an optimal not optimal but like a better functioning zone for themselves mm -hmm. because a lot of the PRI stuff is all based on autonomic function so if we can teach the body to be in, in that nice position, it's going to find itself there every time with, you know, little to no work needed. Right. You're ingraining that pattern and creating a new one. And exactly. Yeah. And then just teaching the body habit. to sense different things. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, do people come to you specifically for that? Do they, do they find you for that reason? Or like... Do you get just a lot of general and then you're throwing this stuff at them and they're like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, a little bit of both. Okay. So, like, people know me as, like, a good trainer, so mm -hmm. they'll send, I get, like, strength and conditioning people that just want to do your typical stuff, but then I'll also get people that are like, hey, I heard you work with PRI stuff. Okay. And we'd really like to see what you kind of do with that. Gotcha. So, you get some people that come in specifically for that mm -hmm. reason. Yeah. Okay. Right on. What type of, so what type of, Traditional stuff do you like incorporating with with your people? Um, or non-traditional, but just other strength training. So once we're past the assessment and we've kind of created the ranges that we need and we've got some decent quality movement and everything, what kind of things do you try and... Just your basic stuff. And nothing too crazy because, you know, all we need is basics done really, really well. Yeah. So we get them squatting, deadlifting, benching. We can 
do whatever with them if, if they can do those three traditional things very, very well. Mm -hmm. And playing around with, you know, just angles and things like that. So your incline, decline, um, whatever it may be. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Uh, so what type of stuff do you like to do personally? Uh, I have the worst ADD in the whole entire world when it comes to like strength and conditioning stuff. So I'm like all over the place. Like somebody might come up to me this week and I'll be like, I enjoy hitting 50 mile bike rides and okay. running uh, eight miles every couple days. Hell yeah. Or you would have talked to me six months ago. I'd be like, dude, I'm, I'm looking to hit a PR right now for, uh, for a deadlift, looking to hit 500 again. Right on. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so it's just all over, just trying different stuff. It's, yeah. Is I mean, there a direction? Cause now, so you're, you're at Club MMA. What are you training specifically there? Are you in the jujitsu class? Or are you in yeah. striking as well? Or? I used to do a little bit of striking, but I'm not the biggest fan of getting hit in the head. Yeah. <laughs> so I've kind of stepped back from that a little bit mm -hmm. and really just went all out with jujitsu. So okay. when I train, I just try and make sure the joints are good, I got strong you. enough to be dangerous at my weight. Yeah. So just in case I, I've been thinking about competing again. Okay. So, so that's what I was going to ask. Do you, do you train for jujitsu at all specifically? Or like right now it's kind of, I mean, not that, you know, training anyway would be a, against it, but like, do you do things specifically for that for any reason or? Yeah, I, I do a ton of just the functional range stuff on myself okay. and then just a ton of cardio. Okay. Right on. So how long have you been at Club MMA for? Close to a decade. I think I started when I was 21. So. Oh, so you were doing that well yeah. before you got into the, the <laughs> not, training. Not really. Uh, I've been in the training, well, like personal training, yeah. Yeah. But for like strength and conditioning, I, I was working out a ton. And like everyone else that I've spoken with from there, usually starts it up because they're like, man, I hate running. I hate doing any sort of cardio like that. And this is actually fun, like, you know, rolling and trying to strangle your friends. Yeah. So I, I did the same thing. I was like, yeah, I don't want to run anymore. I just want to be able to have fun while I'm doing cardio. You said you run eight miles. That, let me get to okay. that point. Okay. <laughs> so I joined there, and I started doing that. And I'm like, man, I'm gassing really quick. I was like, I need to start adding to my cardio base. So I'm like, oh, maybe I should just take up running or doing something like that, even though <laughs> I, I joined jujitsu so I didn't have to run. But yeah. I don't know, I guess healthy habits kind of bleed into everything. It all, it all yeah. goes hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. I think there's an important balance between, especially when it comes to conditioning, you need, you need a specific because you need that same energy system. But I think a lot of people move too far in that direction and ignore just having a broad aerobic and anaerobic base. Yeah. From just, and, and running, like you always hear, especially in combat sports a lot, like, well, you don't need to run, you don't need to do that. And I don't think you, n you need to, but I don't see like why it can't be used as a really good effective tool because it's one of our basic functions and it's one of the best ways to train your cardiovascular system yeah. in, all, in all energy system levels for it because you, it's easy to just change the pace and what you're doing and yeah. then you change the energy system you're using. Yeah, and just to create a nice healthy heart for you to function with outside mm -hmm. of that because I mean, as a combat sport guy, you know, you're jacking your heart rate up into like, you know, 90 to 95% of Oh yeah, yeah, yep. your max heart rate. So well, especially as a grappler too, especially being in different chokes and holds and things yeah. like that, and the positions. I mean, you're you're spiking your heart rate really up, and along with your blood pressure and things like oh, that. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So being able to, I don't know if you know much about like conditioning or whatnot, 
But um, yeah, just be, yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. So just being able to create that efficient heart with you know doing the the slow long cardio work, keeping your heart rate in between 120 to 140. Mm-hmm. Just being able to do that, and then being able to take it out of that and then drop it back down is. Crucial for it, yeah. Yeah, especially that recovery. Yeah, the, the being able to drop that down in mm-hmm. combat sports, especially when you get rounds and things like that. Oh, yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Absolutely. So what kind of, so you said you run, you'll do 50-mile bike rides. <laughs> what else? Yeah. Are you gonna do, did you ever done a triathlon or anything? No, I, I literally just started getting into biking because okay. I, I was getting sick of running. I was like, eh, maybe I'll just get a bike. And just two months ago, I picked one up, and yeah. you know, I'm kind of a psychopath when it comes to that stuff. So. As extreme as I can get, I, I do. So, like, I started with, like, a 30-mile. I was like, I could probably do 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could probably do 50. <laughs> Let's try 60. And 60 was kind of like, that might have been a little too much. <laughs> yeah. So I backed it off, and I'll hit, like, 20 to 50. Usually, like, my 20 to 30s are, like, once or twice a week, and then I'll hit a long ride, usually at the end of the week. Okay. So, so on that note, kind of what does your does your workout week look like so you said you do those once or twice a week Mm -hmm. um what else so like kind of a schedule um so i usually wake up and i'll do like anywhere from a 30 to 60 minute run Mm -hmm. keep my heart rate in between those 120 to 140 threshold levels just playing around with that that cardiac output Mm -hmm. um do some morning cars before that and then get my day going i'll probably do my strength and conditioning Right around this time, so around 12 to 1. Okay. And then usually I'll end up at Club MMA doing jiu-jitsu. So it's usually like two to three training sessions a day. Every day? Depen- depending on the day. Okay. So today, I'll hit three, yeah. Okay. So I hit my run, I'll hit a workout after here, and then I'll go up and train. Yeah. And How long do your uh, strength and conditioning sessions typically last for you? They used to be marathons where like I was like, man, I got to do everything. I got to prep my body. I got to get this going, and then I'll get into my strength work, and then I'll do like quick little like 30-minute walk or something, and then stretch and all that. So yeah, now they're probably like an hour, I would say. Yeah, yeah I try and just knock them out as quickly as I can. Still Not getting, getting yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. I try, and I used to do the like two-hour powerlifting workouts, and yeah, it's, and yeah, it's, it's just not. It's too much for the body if, to recover from, especially when I'm doing the amount of stuff that I'm doing now. Yeah. I, I just felt exhausted, like, every single day. That's how I tell everyone. I think, like, if you're working out for more than an hour and you're able to do that, you're probably not working hard enough in that, oh, yeah. hour, in that yeah. time. Yeah. Um, but I, I get, like, there's some things where it's a little different. Again, I always go back to the powerlifting example just because of the necessity for the amount of rest just for those movements. But yeah. even then, it's like then you could get away with doing less of that still and be all right. Um, but so two to three times a day, almost every day pretty much? or how Yeah, do you... other than Sundays will be kind of like a just chill day. Well, not really chill because I usually do my long rides on that day. Okay. So a little bit more chill for, for the heart rate and whatnot. But yeah, yeah not, as, not as crazy as Monday through Saturday. So I'm gonna bring it back just a little bit to your your PRI stuff. Okay. Why is kind of that your focus? Why did you choose that as like your main that? And then we'll get into the the functional range stuff. So I went to one of the courses about three years ago, mm-hmm. and just bought in very hard to their system and what they do because they take a look at the human body like no other system does. And once I felt that like. I got a manual treatment done on me while I was there, so just them helping me find a zone of opposition, 
and I, I played baseball for maybe like 13 years. Okay. And I had like that much internal rotation. So, yeah. you know, I was pretty limited. But after they did that, and my arm just dropped down to the table, and I was fully able to externally after and internally. After one session? After just five breaths. Wow. Yeah. Okay. After, after that, I was completely bought in. So, like, just going through the didactic day on that Saturday, and then going into lab stuff on that Sunday, and seeing just how powerful position and breath can be, mm-hmm. I was bought in and just went to, like, I think eight or nine courses already now. Wow. Yeah. So they uh, they're pretty expensive. I want to check them out, but we'll they see. they are pretty expensive. Okay. But right now is the time to do them because they're they're putting a ton of stuff online. So yeah. so I, I was able to knock out a couple of the courses that I've been wanting to do just through the online platform, which was just as good as being in person. Other than the fact that like you couldn't like talk to anyone else there mm-hmm. and have them do like uh, their lab work and stuff like that, where we're trying out the exercises and seeing what we should be feeling in each position. That was the only downfall, but you're still getting the same content and whatnot, so I found a ton of benefit from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for you, it, it was that personal experience and the, just a little bit of mind-blowing where you're like, oh, okay, there's something to this, clearly, if it's, if it's yeah. working like that. Because, you know, you have, I'm sure you've faced it before, where you have that super problematic client that you're like, man, whatever I do, he still has, like, shoulder hip pain. Mm-hmm. And from just being able to utilize some of the things that I learned from them, and get people that have been just walking around with debilitating pain each and every day mm-hmm. to get out of that is monumental for me, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And then so with the functional range stuff too, so why what was kind of the catalyst exactly for why you're really into that as well? Again, Same. just feeling it. Yeah. Okay. So when I went to one of the courses up in Chicago, I always have like back pain, especially if I'm driving like four to five hours. Mm-hmm. Um, we went through their showing of each exercise and whatnot, and then just going through like pales rails work with the hip and the back. And I was able to just drive home after leaving that course. You know, right after that, we left right after the course, and I had no back pain getting in. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. And just expanded on that and took a couple other courses with them too. And again, fell in love with the system and just. Been going kind of wild with that. Okay. Yeah. So, what do you? Is there anyone that you look for on the traditional stuff that you base a lot of your technique and philosophy on? You mean like a course or a certification or anything like that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Any anyone in particular? Any any group? Any? Um, I mean, since I I do a little bit of powerlifting too. Okay. So I Westside is always a classic. You know, they they put out a ton of great stuff on how to get you strong and big. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, like John Rusin's course, yeah, he's doing great stuff. He is. Yeah, yeah, he's a good one. Uh, Mike Robertson down in Indy. Okay, he's right good on. too. Yeah, I was just curious to see what you got that from. Um, so you you base a lot of your traditional stuff off of the powerlifting big three movements. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do much like Olympic or stuff like that? No, I don't feel the need need to, especially with the clientele that I'm dealing with. Yeah, it's a little. Unnecessary, I, but I think Olympic lifting is really great if you want an Olympic lift. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's about yeah. And it. there's not too many people with that keen of an eye to really pick up on what's going on with that lift. But yeah. a lot of people want to act like they can just like, oh, well, overhead snatch. That's that's no big deal. We'll get we'll get you there, and you know, 
two yeah. sessions. Well, I mean, they okay. look cool, right? So yeah. that's where it gets the popularity. Yeah, but it, it, I mean, it's, it's, Olympic lifting is awesome, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but. yeah, definitely. I'm not trying to knock it or anything no. like that, but um, for the 45-year-old you know, guy that wants to train for the flying pig at the end of the year, it's not. There's no place there's no, for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I tell everyone I look at I look at Olympic lifting the same way I look at CrossFit and the same way I look at powerlifting. Even they're all sports. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily a training style for a different sport. You know, they yeah. all typically are a little more abusive on the body than nurturing, which is what we really want training to be: is to build yeah. you up in health. Now, again. I love. I played rugby for ten years. I love that. That is not nurturing on the body. I'm not saying don't do that stuff. Yeah. But if I'm already playing rugby, I don't need to be doing these cleans and snatches and stuff yeah. where I'm wearing tearing my shoulders because I'm hitting people all for day sure. already anyway. Like that's yeah. double doubling down. I need to be yeah. strong and nurturing and create integrity and things yep. like that. Just need to teach the body to take those impacts. Mm-hmm. No, sir. That's a good thing. Um, why don't you, is there any techniques you use for that, like impact stuff? be curious like is there a way that you train for that um just getting them super strong so your okay. gpp mm-hmm. that's usually what i do gotcha. um, i don't really have too many i don't know if there are any joint secrets that oh for that i mean type of stuff for that yeah i mean just running that whole system has been great like you know because i can utilize that with I, I got a guy that's like 72 years old mm-hmm. um banged up shoulders you know ran the system worked with them for maybe like a month just doing only that and then just a little bit of strength and conditioning work yeah. so he because he, i mean it doesn't look like you're doing much because you're just holding an end range stretch and then just working into those ranges of motion but using that system for about a month or so was able to get him completely out of like shoulder pain and able to get fully overhead with no pain and or that's huge like that. yeah yeah so the same thing applies with you know, combat sports or impact sports, things like that. So teaching the body to be able to function in those end ranges of motion because that's where injuries happen anyway, you know? Right. It's usually an overextension or whatever of yeah. something that and you just tear your shoulder out snaps, of socket. tears, yep. whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of that, yeah. Or over compression if it's impact, but yeah. I don't know how much you can train. You can for just that. really get the muscles as strong as they can be. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's no such thing as just complete injury prevention no but you can help mitigate some of that so who's to say if you weren't super strong with some of those end ranges that you know you were going to blow your acl out but instead you ended up just spraining you know right yeah or teaching i do a lot of that where i'm, I'm teaching the body to spread the load in a more efficient manner like mm-hmm. we'll, we'll use acls so, you know a lot of the acl injuries i see is become is because of weak hips i go to cut laterally and my hip doesn't want to load well that load has to go somewhere it tends to go to the knee yep. and we're stealing a lot of range that we don't need to if we could load with our i mean our glute is our biggest muscle it's the strongest thing if we can load that up and it's meant to take that load the knee doesn't have to take as much. Same with the shoulder. I always preach like baseball players that hurt their shoulders. Not necessarily usually they have a weak shoulder. They probably have a weak core, and that load is going all the way up to the shoulder. That's not meant to. I mean, your the rotator cuff is you know how thin. Like it's not meant to take a huge load. It's meant yeah. to articulate and express, but not to produce force. And you'll see a lot of tears come from that because it takes a force that got sent up the chain and didn't get spread out where it could. Yeah, for and sure. Things like that's that. like a full expression of <laughs> the most dynamic thing you could possibly do is throw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. Right. You know? And, that's and not, if there is an energy leak anywhere in the system, 
the weakest point is going to be the one that breaks. Yep. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, and we have certain muscles designed to handle more load than others, typically in our center of massive region, just because that's naturally how physics works. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I do a lot with teaching that. It sounds like you do something similar. Yeah, which is yeah. Pretty cool. Yep. Um, ton, of the P- ton of the PRI stuff is completely applicable to that. Yeah. Just because it's putting your rib cage and pelvis in a better position to function, which allows you to tap more into those deep core muscles. So mm-hmm. we're able to, like you were saying, disperse the force a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. More efficiently, or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you are you training any fighters or any combat people right now since you've been in the? I was working with. Uh, one dude, yeah. yeah. We just got to see if the fights are still going to be on or not. Gotcha. Um, just doing functional range stuff with them. Okay, a little so, bit of traditional. Oh, uh, I was about to yeah. ask. Yeah, any, any strength and conditioning or stuff yep. like that. Okay, but mostly end range work, things like that, mm. integrity stuff. Yeah, because you know fighters are beating their bodies down mm-hmm. through the whole week. So any way that we can add in a little bit more joint integrity and help keep their body as healthy as we possibly can through that eight to 12 week camp. Yeah. It's gold. Right on. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something you want to do a lot with people? You want to do a lot of combat athletes? What kind of, if you could pick, what kind of clientele would you like really, really like to work with at this point? <laughs> Again, I have ADD with that as well. So okay. Like, that's why you like the variety. Client, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause like, you know, I would get definitely bored with just pigeonholing myself into you know, I only work with combat athletes, you know right. what I mean? Because, like, well, just seeing the same thing over and over again. So just, maybe not saying what one type, what's one type of client that you would like to have that you don't. Not saying that that has to be That there. I don't? Yeah. Or that you'd like to work more with. Mm, that's a tough question. I mean, I would say, I mean, I, I enjoy working with, like, the combat athletes and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe football would be. Okay. Yeah, because I enjoy that as well. Yeah. So a little more of the athletic population. Yeah, because I mean that's out. that's how everyone starts this journey. Is that we all think that we're going to start working with a Division One or NFL yeah. team, and the sad truth is, like, you know, you're starting out so small that you have to build yourself up to get to that position. Mm-hmm. But yeah, one of the things when I first started, I always tell people like, when I was going to train, I was like, I know how to train people, I know how to train. Like, no, I know how to work out. Yeah, totally different thing and yeah. because uh, the, the most of the population that we get, especially starting out, once you kind of become more specialized, you attract more of, you know, you can attract the athletes, the more mm-hmm. elite stuff. But especially starting out, you, you get people that aren't functioning super well yet for yeah. the most part, that yeah. it's a very basic and very limited in mm-hmm. their capabilities. And it's your job to get them to improve on that. Yep. But it, it was for me, I don't know if it was the same for you, but a little eye-opening. Not, and it wasn't a bad thing. I actually kind of really enjoy my tougher cases. I actually really, one of the niches I'm trying to explore more because I've had a couple of them now is like stroke recovery and things like oh, that. That's where cool. it's like, yeah. you know, these people might not even have motor control on one side of their body right now. Mm-hmm. And so we can't even do any normal things you typically would do. And it's, it's interesting to see just how basic movement stuff and stimulation can improve these things that are really small. Um, yeah, a ton of that cross-patterning stuff is probably great for them. Yeah. 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 Just rebuilding those neural pathways. Exactly. That's yeah. a lot what I do with that. But going back to saying, like, it was a surprise to me how much, like, I thought I'd be training people that would be, that would be able to do the things I would do. And yeah. that's not the case oh, for yeah. the most part. I remember, like, my first client was, like, an 85-year-old woman that could barely walk without falling over mm-hmm. and then just teaching her how to manage pressures inside the body so back to the PRI stuff again Mm -hmm. 
and being able to do that and for her to be be able to just walk down the street and not fall over on her face or anything like that was like huge. You yeah, know? And absolutely. That's when I was like, man, I, it, it feels great to do that. I was like, I should just explore more of this and really went down that pathway of that rehab aspect of things. Are you still, so are you right now, are you learning more of that route? What are you kind of into right now as far as your yeah. development? Okay, so <laughs> all you're of, still, all of that, you're yeah. still going down. Okay. Yep. Uh, I was, I got, a course at the end of the year with them. I'm going to go to the advanced integration course, mm -hmm. and then I'm hoping to finish up my application so I can get credentialed with them and get the PRT behind my name. Okay. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, and is that? Would you? So you just keep that as a tool in the toolbox? Or are you looking to move even more in that direction? Even more in that direction. Okay. So, again, not pigeonholing myself into just one camp because it's all. You need a little bit of everything, you yeah. know. You can't just use one thing and just expect it to work every single time, you know. Mm -hmm. But that's a great low-hanging fruit because it's something that nobody really looks at right now. Right. It's how well we're breathing and how we can kind of link together some of those things to put them into a better position to have the best workout that they can get. Yeah. Now, you, you mentioned, so you knew the author of the book that I read. Did you read that book mm -hmm. as well? Yep. Um, what other people are areas do you look into for like breath stuff like that are there any other noteworthy things that you can think of that people that are good at about that type of stuff uh pri has been like the one that i look at the most okay yeah so just taking a ton of their courses and just going back and like reviewing back through it mm -hmm. uh it's just now starting to pick up steam so i can't really think of it off the top of my head like any authors that gotcha. could look further into with that i was just curious um, yeah do you feel like do it, not do you feel like, but do they uh, incorporate like meditation with any of that? Or is it, is it more like a training style? Or do they offer other types of like more of the meditation, relaxation type with that? Like what if? You'll feel it once you do that. Like you'll get up and feel a little bit more relaxed because okay. again, you're tapping into the breath and you've read the, the book Breath. So mm -hmm. you know how much we can stimulate or tone down mm -hmm. our nervous system just from taking either quick breaths, short breaths, just conscious breaths, how right. much that can affect the way our body's functioning. So when we do some of those exercises, you might get up and feel night and day different, you know, because you're also going to find more contact with the floor, with your feet, mm -hmm. because the body's designed asymmetrically. So we're creating a little bit more symmetrical version of yourself. Mm. through doing some of those exercises. Okay. What uh, what other areas besides breath that do you focus on, if any, um, that may not be? Because that's, that's pretty unconventional as far as a trainer. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you kind of explore that isn't necessarily with the grain of most people? I was looking into more of like the lymphatic stuff. I don't know if you've heard of Perry Nicholson. Mm -mm. Why don't you tell me a little bit about him? Uh, he just focuses on like lymphatic drainage and things like that and how to get the lymph system to work optimally because sometimes pain can mask itself as like an issue with drainage through that. Hmm. He doesn't only do that, but I think that's one of his main things. I think he has a course with like organs and things like that too. Okay. But, um, I'm looking more into that too. A um, little bit of nervous system stuff just because... It's cool stuff, I think. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to all this stuff. Oh, yeah. So, no, the nerve. I mean, yeah. I tell everyone strength is it's all neural. It's the ability yeah. to recruit our muscle. It's, yeah, it's exactly. Not, it's not as muscular as we think it is. Yeah, because, I mean, if you, you take a, a 
dead body and with no brain power, that, that thing ain't moving anywhere. You right. Know, the brain controls everything. So yeah. the more control we have over that, the better off we're going to be with everything else in life. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, nervous system's a huge one. And it's, it's one that, well, like a lot of things I've come to find out, uh, it's one that we claim we understand a lot more than we really do about yeah, we it. we literally know nothing about it. Like, yeah. Just scratching the surface with all this stuff. So it's kind of cool to see just reading different articles and different materials on you know, some of the stuff that they've been discovering with it is mind-blowing. That's why I love this field so much is you learn something new every single day. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you think of anything recently with the nervous system that, that you'd like to share? That um, Not really. I haven't okay. been doing a ton of research gotcha. with it at this point. Just trying to think of things that are interesting to me. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, because like I said before, I'm kind of going through that application process with PRI, so... Um, just been doing a ton of research with that and just trying to get my application ready to send out by the deadline, I think is October 15th, so. Okay. Yeah. Would you consider yourself more along the lines of a training focus or a health focus? I would say we're all health focused, okay. you know what I mean? Yeah. Because we're all into getting our client as best as we can get them. Mm -hmm. So whether that be, we realize it or not, like mentally, physically, uh, teaching them how to sleep better, That's right. teaching them how to, to eat better, yeah. and being able to just teach them how to live better. So, so you do uh, like do you talk with people about sleep? Do you help mm -hmm. manage sleep techniques or anything like that with people? I try to. I try yeah. to just promote a little bit, sprinkle it in here and there because you know sometimes they get sick of hearing me talk about this stuff. So, got to sprinkle it in along with like, hey, how's your weekend and things like that. Like, yeah, oh, you didn't sleep good. Maybe you should try blacking out the room or. You know, trying to lay down with without any electronics for a little bit, things like that. Okay. How do you sleep? Um, really good now. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I actually went through um, this thing called Saraset. I was having really bad issues with sleep for close to a decade, and it turns mm -hmm. out it's just from previous concussions and things like that. And oh, my, wow. my brain was like on this crazy like fight or flight kind of thing, and I couldn't really shut it off. So from doing that. Um, it helped heal my brain up, and I've been... What, what was it? What you call it again? It's called Sarasat. So can you explain a little bit about that? Um, so it's this place based out of Carmel, Indiana, and oddly enough, I heard about it from a podcast. I think it was on Rogan. Okay. Uh, one of the people that he had on there did it, and she was explaining her story and how she, she would sleep like two to three hours a night tops and would very rarely get that eight to ten hours or seven to nine hours, whatever camp you're in with that, mm -hmm. she would very rarely get that. And I was like, that sounds exactly like mine. And she was like, I got it from a, I apparently had issues from a concussion from over a decade ago. I was like, same. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I, I called the lady and set up an appointment with them, and I did seven or eight sessions down there. And I'm completely night and day different from the way I used to sleep and now. And How much sleep would you say you get on average? Now? Yeah. Oh, man. At least seven to eight every okay. night. Yeah. Right on. That's good. Before, it used to be maybe like one to two, if any. Wow. Every night. So it'd be really? three to four cups of coffee in the morning and then just maybe like a bang or a rain. <laughs> <That's dangerous. laughs> yeah. So I was probably sucking down a good five to 800 oh, milligrams God. of caffeine a day. Your poor heart. Yeah. Now I know it. Now I'm like, I'm like one cup a day and I'm good. Yeah. That's yeah. A, I, I just reintroduced caffeine again and in the form of just tea and, and a little bit of coffee together. Yeah. Some of the stuff they make now is like 
rocket fuel, you know? Yeah, it's well, yeah. that's what I used to, you know, a bang before every workout, and I was like, this yeah. is not. Oh, yeah, my heart would be beating out of my chest, but I'd be like, man, I'm benching, you know, 315 right now for a couple reps. Feel like, yeah. wired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's the one. But, yeah, I tell everyone, like, rely less on that and rely more on getting your sleep yeah. and, and drinking that's water. The thing. Yeah, that's the thing is that I wasn't getting enough any day. So for me to even get into the gym, I'd have to just slurp down a bang and yeah. try and get as good of a workout as I could in. Um so you talk to them a little bit, but you don't do like. Do you do any kind of like sleep coaching or work with them? I know it's touchy because like scope of practice laws type things like that can be. Yeah, I mean, interesting, it's just it's just preaching good healthy habits with that. Because I mean, when it boils down to it, it's can they habitualize themselves into doing that? Right. You know, being able to put their phone down, turn the TV off, maybe read a book before bed, mm-hmm. meditate, do something healthy instead of just plopping down and scrolling Instagram mindlessly right. for two hours and you know you get kind of ramped up with just some of that stuff you know oh, yeah especially with everything going on you read a story like oh whoa that's crazy <laughs> you can't shut off after that absolutely so I try my best I'm not trying to be like well let me tell you like you need to take this this and this to help you sleep so right just trying to preach healthy habits I get you and, it's, yeah. and it is like you said it's getting them to do it too you mm-hmm. can give them all the right information but to yeah actually practice it is yeah. a different animal yeah being able to just teach them and for them to take home that information is huge with that because again we only get an hour or so right once to three times a week to really preach our philosophy on them mm-hmm yeah, it's just similar with nutrition as well. Do you do do you deal with nutrition with people a lot at all? I'll or? do a, a bit of coaching. I, I I got the PN1 certification, okay. so precision nutrition certification. So I'll do a little bit of coaching with them. And again, that's all about habits as well. Yeah. So being able to break some of those negative habits that they have with food mm-hmm. is huge. With that, do you eat pretty well? You look mm-hmm. good. So you look like you eat. Well. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been eating pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's uh, what's kind of your eating habits? What are they like? Like how many times or what do we eat? Or all of it. All of uh, it. Just a balanced diet. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Try and cut back the gluten as much as I can. Mm. Um, basically, just veggies, rice, protein source. Do you track? Or you just kind of intuitively eat? Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not cutting weight for anything. If yeah. I was cutting weight for a competition, I'd be tracking like how many calories, okay. macros, and all that good stuff. But for right now. Just trying to be as healthy as I can. So mm-hmm. when I'm hungry, I eat, you know, and just try to eat I as like that clean answer. as possible. Yeah, I, I'm, the, I'm, I'm with that. Like, there's no set schedule. It's like I'll just try and listen to when my body says I oh, need yeah. to. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Like I, I tell everyone, like, yeah, I kind of intermittent fast, but that's just because I never wake up hungry, so I never really mm-hmm. eat breakfast. Um, but then 12 but, o'clock rolls around. Yeah, you're but just if I demolishing like two Chipotle bowls or yeah, something, <laughs> it just depends on when. It, like, there's some days where I might not eat till dinner because I feel I, my energy's up. I'm not hungry. There's some days where I wake up hungry and I'm shoveling food in all day and I can't get satisfied with it. And yeah. it's, that's just where it's at. Like, it, it's yeah. a weird thing. But I was curious to see what your take on that was or what you do. You prescribe any kind of meal plans or are you just more general information with people? Again, a lot of things that I teach it all goes back to habits because if you can make unconscious choices that are healthy and good Mm -hmm. that's gonna set them up for success later on you know what i mean instead of having to think about it just put everything on autopilot and then just control the things that they need to so that'll also manage their stress levels as well yeah so as long as they're eating healthy and just making alternative choices to you know 
the Big Mac and fries or whatever <laughs> um, usually have pretty good results. Absolutely. So do you operate solely out of that facility downtown? Mm -hmm. do you yeah, do I, do, I do a little bit of online training. Okay. Yeah, kind of going into that field just since kind of had to with COVID. Yeah. So, uh, just to keep in contact with my clients and make sure that they were still doing the things that I wanted them to do. Um, just sent out online programs, um, did some Zoom calls with them, things like that. Okay. So kind of carried on with that as well. Yeah. So you, you t talked about how you're going a little more down into the uh, PRI, and you said, what is, what's the course again? You're, you're going to get the next certificate that you're going to? Oh, I'm going there? to uh, advanced integration at the end of this year. It's a four-day okay. course like covering all of their primary courses. Mm -hmm. And that gives you the what kind of cert again? Oh, that wouldn't be credentialing yet. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's, just, it's just a course. I'm applying to get credentialed later on. I think... I got to fly out to Nebraska in December, fly back, and then in January I fly back in if they accept my application and allow me to get the credentialing with them. Okay. I'll fly back in in January. So the, the two best times of the year to fly into Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> and what does that credential uh, change for you? Uh, it would allow me to be recognized as a PRI practitioner so okay. that would mean a lot to me so if people were to try and find somebody in the area that practices that I'd be on their website and gotcha and to be known through their institute as does well does it increase your scope at all or is it is it more um, everything that you have with your licensure is good to go so I'm an athletic okay. trainer so I can do a little bit of manual therapy on some of them so mm -hmm. some of the hands-on stuff I can do actually all the hands I would say all the hands-on stuff I could do from them because it's not anything crazy, you know? Yeah. It's not like I'm doing like chiropractic adjustments on anybody or anything like that, so. No, but, no go ahead. Go ahead, no, go ahead. No, I'm just Sorry. saying, it's just, it would just be nice to be able to be recognized by that system because I think the world of them. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, that's absolutely, that's awesome. I was just curious to see like what the, what kind of program they're offering and types of things like that, um, just for my own just, learning. It's going to just deepen my knowledge in there. Absolutely. Which is what I've heard from everybody that's done the credentialing. Mm -hmm. So they're also recognized, but also they have a much greater and deeper understanding of the system. Mm -hmm. So as far as future plans outside of that, uh, do you have any about that? Are you, do you, would you hope to open up your own facility? Do you, are you trying to work in where you're at right now? What's any kind of... Uh, yeah, definitely hoping on opening up a facility maybe in the next five-ish years. Okay. Yeah, so hoping to do just like everything under one roof. Yeah. To where we have like PTs, massage therapists, um, maybe even an MD just to do your orthopedic stuff. No, absolutely. Yeah, so kind of a catch all with that so yeah that's kind of a big else. movement i've been yeah i got a few friends here we've talked about doing the same thing and i know another guy out in blue ash that has a similar idea so it's one of the reasons i keep making all these connections is like if more people have this like mind it's yeah easier to set up the more you, the more you have um yeah for sure and then being able to just bounce patients and clients back and forth between the two mm -hmm. you know oh yeah no that's huge having yeah. that network um what so you said all in one now would you find yourself at that point diving more just specializing into the PRI stuff or will you still want to maintain your general strength and conditioning as well depends on what what person's in front of me cuz okay. cuz like like I'm saying before you know that doesn't just work for 
one specific person. Right. You know, it's just a tool in the toolbox, like like we've said. Mm -hmm. So get them breathing efficiently. That's step one. And then looking at the joints, how they function, and making sure that we can get them to a point where those joints are functioning as optimal as possible. Mm -hmm. And then we can take them into that once they have all their prereqs. So we can do... I mean, it's not like I just sit there and do like functional range conditioning work and just PRI work because I think a lot of the clients would get pretty bored with that. Yeah. So you got to throw a little bit of that traditional flair their way just so they're not like, why are we doing this? I don't understand, you know? Because a lot of people are just so stuck in that mindset that, you know, squats, bench, deadlift is all we need. Right. Yeah, no, they yeah. like the cool stuff that they see mm. the high-level people doing. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, it is cool and it's fun to do, but yeah, so. I have some of the same stuff where I, I do a lot of different things that isn't as sexy looking maybe. Yeah. Um, and people will ask, well, why? And then, you know, you got to try and explain to them um, and you got to try and make it fun for them. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, I throw them a little, you know, if someone really wants yeah. to do something, uh, we're going to do it because uh, yeah. you got to enjoy what you're doing with me yeah, yeah. For, first it's and foremost. sprinkling in a little bit of what you want and a little bit of what they want. Yes. Um, probably a lot more of what they want. And but, trying to get yeah. them to see how they're all aligning in the same direction, too, mm -hmm. and letting so all, yeah. yeah. Anything I do movement-wise, like if someone's goal is to increase their bench press, I'll take and be like, you know, in a roundabout way, well, actually, this is going to because of, you know, this. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it does, and it's not me just bullshitting them either, it, but it's saying it's looking at every aspect of it and saying the bigger picture of it and saying, well, it's, it's all connected together. Mm -hmm. The more optimal you can function in one way, that's going to have some carryover, some more directly than others, but if, if you're improving your abilities then everything else will go along with it yep. in that sense. Yep. So we were kind of talking a little bit about um, your vision for a facility of an all-in-one thing, mm -hmm. of a, like a total total healthcare, real healthcare as opposed to whatever we call our thing now that our country runs. Something thrown uh, over there in the corner and yeah, ran pretty pretty shoddy. Yeah, yeah. Do you, uh, so on that note, um, do you ever find yourself butting heads with the like medical community or not directly but maybe indirectly through your clients like do you ever find yourself trying to like change some habits that were instilled by conventional practices right now um i try to stay in my own lane okay so i don't try to like act as if like i'm a physical therapist and i can mm -hmm. do this that and the other or like i'm some sort of like health coach that only specializes in you know sleep nutrition all that good stuff but okay um, just somebody that's there to give a little bit of guidance in that field. So as of right now, I haven't been, like, butting any heads with anybody because mm -hmm. I tend to stay in my own lane with that. Yeah. Yeah. You, because of the fact that you're really into, like, the breath and stuff, I'm curious, like, are you into any other, like, holistic health practices, things like that? Um, Again, it's, it's just all about being as healthy as you possibly can be. So getting right. those good hours of sleep, eating good, um, controlling stress levels, you know, just doing those couple of things, they're going to just mm -hmm. set you up for a whole lot better you in the long haul. Yeah. You, know? you talked about, you just said controlling stress levels. That's a big one for me and my people. Um, first, like what, are you, are you pretty stress-free? You seem pretty relaxed. You seem like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a super zen dude now, yeah. I would say. So just try to keep my mental health and physical health on the same page. Mm -hmm. So being able to be, you know, nice and relaxed and still being able to go out and do the things that I love to do, which are, you know, lift, run, bike, jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. Do all those things, I'm, you know, a zero out of 10 on the stress level scale. 
So how do you how do you maintain that? Do you, is there anything special that you do, or is it just a mindset? What is the habits again? Habits. Yeah. Okay. Putting that on cruise control has been like one of the greatest things that I've done. So I don't know if you've read Atomic Habits by James Clear. I've heard that book. Yeah, uh, but I've not read it. No. Pretty life changing stuff yeah. if you can implement it. Uh, but he has like this habit tracking thing, and I started doing it a couple months ago. And from there on out, like it's just putting down. Each habit you want to accomplish in the morning and night, mm-hmm. and checking it off once you get it done. Okay. And then after, you know, I think it took like 40 or 50 days for me to like unconsciously even think about it. Probably less than that. But okay. I mean, that's where I was like, I don't even look at the habit sheet anymore. I'm like, it took I'm at up. least a month or so, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just up and at it, like hydrating, caffeinating, morning cars, running or walking, and then doing an audible book okay. in the morning. 30 to 60 minutes a day. So you do all that before your first session? Before I'm even, yeah, before I'm even like in my car and driving to my first session or whatever I had uh, scheduled for the morning. Okay. So it sets you up for success because I mean, you already feel like you accomplished a ton of stuff before you even get to the thing that you have to do. Yeah. What time time do you have to get up then to get all that in? Uh, Depending on what time I got a client at. So if, if, I have a 6.30 client, I'll usually get up at like maybe five, mm-hmm. and I can usually get all that done in you know, 30 to 60 minutes for my walker run. So I'm usually done and in the car by six, so it takes me about an hour to 75 minutes to get all that done. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not anything that crazy, you know? Yeah, but it's, it's just a routine something that you got that. Tangible and manageable that you can implement into your life to kind of reap those benefits and kind of set yourself up for success for the day. Mm-hmm. Now, what about the rest of the day? Is there anything else in particular that you do that's more of a habit that that you attribute to helping your relaxation and stress management? Working out and then okay. eating good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So good lunch to feel myself for the rest of the day because I usually do jujitsu later on at night. Yeah. Well, you said you get up at 5, so what time do you get home and are you able to get to bed? Uh, that's why these Tuesdays and Thursdays when I go to jujitsu are a little, little rough because we're okay. in there to like... 9, 9.30 sometimes. Right, that's what I figured. Yeah, so I'm like trying to shut off, talk to the lady for a little bit, um, talk about our day, and then I try and shut it off by like 10, 10.30, somewhere around there. Okay. So I got it again. Um, so you're getting home around 10, 10.30, you're saying? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Yeah. That's a quick turnaround. You got to get by 5 the next day too? Yeah. So yeah. that's hard to get that extra, that 7, 8 in doing that. Yeah, that's the one thing I've struggled with a little well not anymore that's what i've taken i've actually recently turned down some morning clients because my evenings have gotten so busy that i was just like yeah i was i did i did that for a while at the old place i was at where almost i think three out of the like five or six days i guess but three at least three nights a week i was getting home at a point where i if when i got home if i went right to sleep i was getting seven and a half maybe yeah not accounting like for dinner shower things like that like yeah, it was. Yeah, it's it was pretty gross. crazy. Yeah, you just gotta take care of yourself too. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you'll wear yourself too thin, and you're not gonna give the same quality training that you were giving yep. before you took that on. Oh, I told. That's why, and I, I, I told the last person. I told him. I said, "Look, I'm sorry, but if I'm not well slept, people aren't getting well trained, and I just can't throw quality out for quantity at this point." Oh, I hear you. Um, what, what is your like schedule like right now? Like how's that? Uh, it's it's a little lighter now, just yeah. after COVID and all that stuff. Um, I was seeing twenty to twenty five clients nice. a week. Yeah, it's down to like fifteen. Okay, so it's still a pretty packed schedule. And then I have 
like five or six online clients that I'm oh, right on. programming and doing things like that for. Now the online, is it just programming? Do you do virtual training? Like what is that? Yeah, a little bit of virtual, okay. more like the online uh, programming, things like that. Yeah. It's a little bit easier to deal with. And manage. say, how does the virtual go? Because I, I thought about trying to step into that with the whole COVID thing and I decided against it. It turned out it, was, it worked out for the best that I didn't yeah. need to, but I, it was always a weird one to me. Um, I, honestly, I liked it because I got yeah. very, very good at external cueing. So just being able to like spot things mm-hmm. and then verbally cue them through that. Mm-hmm. So I think it was very beneficial because I think it made me a better coach in the long haul. That's true. Yeah. It develops that skill of being yeah. able to, like you said, verbally do it instead mm-hmm. of having to touch them. Actually, like that, yeah, you, physically correcting. Yeah. So it made you that much better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, are you still doing some of that? Or did that not, kind of not as fade much. Away? Yeah, it kind of gotcha. faded away a bit. I'll do a little bit here and there, but for the most part, it's all in person and then just the online programming. Yeah. Uh, if you had your ideal client load, what would that be as far as sessions or hours a week? I would say to still be my best self, like the 20 to 25, so I can still have a life, but also mm-hmm. still do the things that I love. Are you predominantly hours? Yeah. Uh, hour. Do you do hour. half hour or any other option? Or? I try not to because you can't really get enough in with, right. with a 30. It's like you get them warmed up, and then I'm like, all right, well, uh, you got 10 minutes left. Uh, let's get you going. Yeah, no, yeah. it's I get you there. So mostly hours with that. and um, But thing you think above 25 or so is starting to push a little bit and not have, yeah. have you all the free time to do everything else you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Um, do you do anything else outside of training people right now as far as uh, work, I guess? Or is that, is, does, does that 20 to 25 sustain you pretty good? That sustains me good, but I also do some like little passive sources of income. So kind mm-hmm. of running like uh, my own little eBay business and then oh, also yeah. um, doing some like third-party selling through Amazon. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. my dad running that. That's, a, that's my other little income that I have. Absolutely. So it's nice. it was nice when uh, COVID hit where I still had... That little extra push of income still yeah. coming in with all that. No, I do. I mean, I still do Uber part time right now. My okay. goal is to eventually phase that out, like yeah. I did at the previous place. But uh, that's yeah, that's yeah, a great something. Great to, yeah, because I mean, this is this was all started as like a passion project for me because I love right. what I was doing. But I was still doing my nine to five for the longest time, and you know, it took me about six or nine months until I was able to make this my thing that paid for the bills and food and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so with, with that, I kind of want to touch on what other things outside of health and training are you interested in, if any? Uh, that's, that's basically everything. I mean, I touched okay. on everything. Like I, I love uh, just working out, running, yeah. reading, um, being up to date on all of the science behind all this cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like... Getting getting into biking, jujitsu. Um, I'll probably add in a couple more hobbies. Archery. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, you yeah. come shoot bows with us sometime. We've been getting back into that and trying to go yeah, out for hunting sure, man. with Drake this fall. Actually. Oh, what are you hunting? Um, I don't know yet. We probably could go out <laughs> west somewhere. Like I, the only thing I've done hunting wise is boars over bait. So I've never done any like stalking, okay. but I've I've shot and it, but it's been a while since that. Um, but yeah, we're always down to throw spears, axes, and shoot some. He has a. Uh, like traditional longbows and stuff, which is an interesting. Okay, way. Yeah, I have a I'm, compound. Yeah, bow. I'm compounding it. Yeah, too. it's a whole different animal, but yeah. it's still fun to do that. Yeah, definitely. But I was curious. I was wondering if there's anything that you do, unrelated, that you've found that 
actually has more carryover than you'd expect to your, your discipline and your art? Uh, I would say just being able to read as much as I possibly can, so mm-hmm. take in as much as information as I possibly can because you know, not too many trainers now really want to expand on themselves. It's like we get the certification and we know it all. You right. know what I mean? So that's why I've been just diving deep down some of these rabbit holes of different courses, credentialing, books, articles, things like that. Um, just really staying up to date on all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, because it's ever-changing with this field, like it I was is. saying before, you know. Now, do you self-experiment with anything? Um, do you, like, try and work, like, I always say, like, I'm working on my craft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you do any stuff like that? Do you? Everything that I roll out with my clients, I've done on myself. Mm-hmm. So I've tried all of these different exercises before I even send them their way yeah, to see if I feel, important. yeah, definitely. Cause like to be able to feel what's actually happening in that and then be yeah. it, like you were saying with the jujitsu thing, you want to know how, um, they're moving and things like that right. so you can get a better feel so you can train them better. Yeah. It's the no. same thing. It's like, I want to be able to feel what's happening there. Like, Oh, I'm supposed to be feeling that left side of my rib cage dropping down. And then when I take another breath in, it's expanding again. Mm-hmm. So, no, I guess yeah, I I, I I won't put anyone through anything that I haven't tried myself. Now they're they're beginning a point where there's people that are able to do it better than I can um, sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, at least I've I've tried that thing and tried to do it to the best of my ability and yeah. to get what that feels like or to know if it's. And there's plenty of stuff I've tried where I'm like, yeah, I'm probably never going to use that with anyone because that's just <laughs> too whatever um yeah but i was curious if like when you because t- you're learning a lot from pri and stuff and a few of the others if you take anything and, and sort of overlap or um, or how much overlap you do see already with any of that um ton of overlap with the pri and functional range conditioning okay. stuff just because we're handling neurological tension with the pri so we're getting things to relax and inhibit and then facilitating them also with some of those techniques which frees up a ton of degrees of range of motion for them to expand upon. So I took those principles and really started to use the functional range stuff with it to teach them how to function a lot better in an end range position. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And Because um, I'll, t- I'll take you through a couple of the PRI things after yeah. this if you have some time. Absolutely, and love to. We'll, I'll show you how much change in the range of motion from like your shoulders to your hips we can have with just taking and blowing up a balloon or I might even do some manual work if you have a treatment table in here. Okay, we only got the massage table, but I think well, she's looks probably like you, busy. Okay, I don't looks know. like you're blowing up a balloon then. Yeah, I'm yeah. okay, I'm okay with that. You, you carry balloons around with you? I do, I'm, I'm that PRI that, No, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That, I, got a, I, I got a bag of balloons out in the car. That's so cool. Yeah. So what, uh, can you elaborate on why the balloon? Is that just a feedback mechanism? What is the? Yeah, essentially, so the diaphragm's fighting the forces of that balloon, so we're creating pressure inside with with the balloon or outside with the balloon and then inside with the diaphragm. Okay. So you'll feel that intra-abdominal pressure fighting those forces with that. Gotcha. Do you have any like I, I don't I don't like quick tips necessarily cuz you know I think it misses mm. a lot of the big picture things, but just for people listening like any any simple breathing adjustments that people could start to make on their own just to kind of explore what you're talking about you know if I was sitting at home right now listening like anything if I know I'm dealing someone who's deals with pain you know mm-hmm. things close, like close that. your mouth yeah okay fair. <laughs> breathe through your nose that's, that's a good one that's a quick one you know so just being able to realize where that air is going because when we take those big 
dumb like mouth breaths, the air doesn't know where it's going and your body doesn't either. So well, that's what I'm trying to say is your body doesn't realize where the air is going. Mm-hmm. When we take those breaths in through our nose, you can feel where that expansion's happening at a lot more than if we take a breath in through our mouth. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like yeah. even if, if the listeners want to try that out, like take a breath in through your nose, you'll feel tension and expansion through different spots. When you take the breath in through your mouth, it feels like a completely different experience. Right. Okay. So that's that's a good first step, absolutely. If you're listening, mm-hmm. try breathe with your nose, not your mouth. That's uh, yeah. I learned a lot of that from that James Nestor book, yep. which is there's a reason why mouth breather is a term <laughs> and yep. it has a certain connotation with it, and it's actually kind of interesting how much it's backed by some science with that. Um, with the breathing techniques, is that mostly focused on? Like, structurally and muscularly, and I don't know, probably not skeletally, whatever, you're using the right areas. Do they focus on any kind of tempos, um, things like that? Yeah, holds? as odd as it sounds, it's more of like a nervous system treatment. Okay, there you go. It's, That's it's what... autonomics over anything. Mm-hmm. Again, like I said before, it's something we do 22 to 25,000 times a day, mm-hmm. and most of the time in a poor position... So if we can put you in a better position for that diaphragm to function in, the better off you're going to be, and the better off you're going to be able to expand and compress in certain areas of the body that aren't usually used to expanding and compressing, uh, okay. like the chest walls and the posterior side of our uh, rib cage, mm-hmm. and also being able to pull that air down into the pelvic diaphragm as well and then push that back out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can you... Put that in the simplest terms you can before we wrap up here, just to, for people to understand. I mean, I kind of get what you're saying, mm. but for someone who isn't as versed in anatomy or any of this. So if we, if we look at the rib cage and pelvis, mm-hmm. most people live in an extended position, which means the rib cage and the pelvis aren't facing towards each other. Mm. What we're trying to do is just get them to face each other so you can tap into a good diaphragmatic breath to where that diaphragm's pushing down into the organs and into the pelvic floor, and then ascending back up and doming nice in that rib cage. Okay. So we're able to pull in more air and push air more, uh, more air out. Perfect. And also expanding on those certain places in the rib cage, which usually don't get much expansion, mm-hmm. which is what movement is all based on, is how well we can expand and contract through our center of mass, which are our core. Right. You know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to leave our listeners with as far as advice on any of this? And then also, why don't you tell people, again, where to find you? Um, Habits and consistency over anything. Okay. So if we're doing good habits consistently, we're going to be 20 times better, 50 times better than what we could have been. Um, And then you can find me on Instagram at Attributes Coaching. Um, that's the majority of where I do most of my posting and if you want to like talk to me or whatever DM me or email me from there and that's attributes coaching you said mm-hmm. attributes coaching on Instagram yep. alright anywhere else any other medium that you think that, that's or? about I'm honestly yeah I'm like kind of a unicorn in this in this field right now I'm, I like simple. really didn't want to be out in the open yeah but COVID really forced my hand so I've been trying to do more on that and I'm able to get get in touch with more people so that's been a benefit of this if there is anything with uh, something as negative as this gotcha mm-hmm. well Eric 
Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank thank you. you those for listening. And you know where to find me at Adaptive Training Principles. And come on down to Paramount Fitness to check me out and your location one more time just for people. Uh, Forward Fitness on Reedy Street. It's right next to the casino. And you can find more information on that at my Instagram page or on my website. Awesome. Well, there you have it, folks. Thank you for listening. Bye.